0: How do you do? How often does it happen in serious crime, especially murder, that meekness, mildness, respectability, often kindness, intelligence, and charm are the outward characteristics of a man who, as they say, would be the last person in the world you would suspect? It happens time and time again. But how much more seldom does it occur that a murderer looks like a ruffian, behaves like a ruffian, ...is recognized as a rascal of low mentality... ...and meanwhile manages without resorting to the least craft or guile to... ...get away with it over and over again without exciting suspicion. It is the story of such a man that I'm going to tell you. But before I introduce our sordid cavalier... ...let us recall a contemporary of his in the London of 1888. One who, like our gentleman... ...moved in the east end of London during that year. Moved and struck by night... There she sir. Did you ever... God, did you ever see such a sight, sir? Rip to ribbons. Oh, yes. Whew. Yes, that's his work, all right, Johnson. Can't mistake it. Jack the Ripper all over. We've got to get him. Of course, the whole world knows that they didn't get Jack the Ripper. And yet I wonder. Did they? I wonder. Take the year 1888. That's when the Ripper's razor began to flicker across the throats of some of the pretty girls of London's East End. And that is the year that there arrived from Poland to take up a job in a Whitechapel hairdresser's shop, a black-haired, beetle-bowed swaggerer named Tosovsky. Oh, Slosky, we used to call him in the shop. Well, it was near enough, anyway. A foreign he was. Of course, there was lots of foreigners turning up down Whitechapel Way them days. Dark bloke he was, with a big curly moustache and smudgy sort of eyes. Said he come from Warsaw, where he'd been a barber surgeon. Yeah, knew a bit about medicines and that. He yeah, knew more about women, though, I'd say. Of course, later on, when they arrested this bloke Chapman, I never connected him with old Slosky. Well, not till i seen his picture, that was. Oh, then i seemed seen daylight all right. It was old Slosky what I worked in our shop. Of course, it was years later when they got him. To be exact, just 14 years. 14 years which contain enough known horrors committed by this cynical ruffian to let the imagination rove wide when it considers the possible unknown parallels from the same author. We don't, in fact, hear anything of Severin Possovsky, better known as George Chapman, until the year 1902. But the gentleman has not been idle. There was the wife who followed him from Poland. And there was the wife called Lucy Badeski, He married in 1889. And there was a girl named Annie Chapman, whom he couldn't even bother to pretend to marry. Now, listen, Annie, and get this into your head. Kolovsky's no good as a name in this country, see? Now, with you and me lodging together, we'd best be called something usual, see? Uh, what about Chapman, eh? Uh, Your name. (laughs) I like that. I'll be George and you be Annie. Mr. and Mrs. George Chapman, eh? (laughs) I like that. It's good. Sounds good. (laughs) This happened in 1892. Before that, in 1889, Jack the Ripper ceased activity in London. In 1890, our beetle, browed Lassario, went to America for a year. And in that year, in New Jersey... (coughs) Another mysterious murder in the same sinister pattern. Had Jack the Ripper moved to New York? I wonder. All we know is that Severin Tosofsky did move to New York for a year, and that when he returned to London to become George Chapman, third-rate publican and double-dyed sinner, the New Jersey murdered ceased. Well, I wonder. Still, let's have a look at some of the things we do know for certain. Let's meet up again with the man who, once he overplayed his hand gave the London police one of the easiest jobs that ever came their way. The year is 1895. Now, listen, Mr. Chapman. Mrs. Ward and me is worried. These lodgings of the house has always been respectable, and we don't like it. And what play don't you like, Mr. Ward, eh? You and that Mrs. Spink, that's what. What about Mrs. Spink? Go on. What about her and me, eh? What's up? Uh, now, it may not be my business, Mr. Chapman, but it's my house. And if gentleman lodgers starts carrying on with lady lodgers... And out they goes. Fret. See? I'll have you know, Mr. Ward, that Mrs. Spink is a respectable widow lady. What drink? A respectable widow lady, Mr. Ward. What I'm honorably caught in with a view to matrimony. As a matter of fact, if you must know, we're being married tomorrow. Now are you satisfied? Being married tomorrow? Go on. You can see us leave for the ceremony with your own eyes, Mr. Ward. In a carriage. Dirty mind, that's your trouble.
1: We're
0: going to do now, George. Do? I'll tell you what we will do. We'll just drive around for a bit and then come back and tell him we're rich. <laughs> what?
1: Of course, that have you a mind to see me now, George. I'll
0: see you don't do that anymore, Mary. Too good for him, you was. <laughs> no carriages for old things, George.
1: So this is our wedding day, isn't it? I'm <laughs> to <laughs> What are you going to do now, George, now we have married?
0: <laughs> I'll chuck barbering for other people. Do a bit for myself. There's a place I've heard of down Hastingsway. Oh, but that'll take money, George, and you haven't got any. No, but my best beloved legal wife, eh? <laughs> Come on, Mary, give the bridegroom a <laughs> kiss. <at this. laughs>
1: <laughs> what larsen,
0: George? Of George. I might let you have a bit of money if you was good. <laughs> good as gold. That's George Chapman. Now, look here, Mary. You got that bit of money, that uh, that 600 pounds your old granddad left you, see? Why, well, with only a part of that, we could set ourselves up real nicely down at Hastings. Nice little shop, sea air, and all independent. What better? I'm game, George. <laughs> what <luck>. larks? <laughs> what larks, indeed. And so Mrs. Chapman played the piano in the Hastings barber shop while her husband shaved the customers. Such a gay idea. The musical shave. I'd like you to meet one of the happy customers, a chemist. Davidson by name, quite a regular and quite a useful friend. Good morning, Mr. Chapman. And what can I do for you? Morning, Mr. Davidson. Now, let's see. Uh, I want a hairbrush, a tin of tooth powder, a couple of face flannels, uh, an ounce of tartary medic, and, well, that'll be all for today.
2: (laughs) Hmm.
0: That's pretty deadly stuff, Mr. Chapman. But of course you'll know that with your medical training. There's one thing, Mr. Davidson. If ever I'm out of a job, I could probably hold one with you, eh? <laughs> yes, from what you've told me, you probably could. Are you experimenting? Oh, just playing about. like to keep my hand in, you know? Surely, Mr. Chapman, surely. Uh, you like that brush, eh? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, good. Here are the face flannels, and you generally take Perkins' tooth powder, don't you? That's right. Quite so. And the uh, tartar emetic? Perhaps you wouldn't mind signing the poison book while I wait out. Not at all, not at all. Uh, just there, if you please. Uh, Mrs. Chapman, well? Yes, yes. thanks. Yes. Good. Good. Well, there you are, Mr. Davidson. And there you are, Mr. Chapman, thank you. That will be just for the night. Thank you. Uh, good day to you. And good luck with the experiment. The experiment? No experiment this that's in the mind of the smudge eyed barber. No, this is a design with a foregone conclusion. Barbering, my girl? I'm fed up with it. The license trade. That's where that money is. Now, look, here's a good sounding pub going just off the city road Prince of Wales Tavern. What about it, eh? Prince of Wales' Tavern, December 1897. Evening, hey, George. Quite to the usual, please. Yeah, what are you looking so glum about in Christmas just round the corner? It's the missus. She's sick and I'm worried. Well, you ought to get the doctor, George. Doctor? I've got one. a lot of good he does. Day and night, Doctor. I done all you tell me. I give her everything with my own hands. With my own hands. Quite so. With his own hands. And so on Christmas, eighteen ninety seven died the jovial Mrs. Spink. Deep, deep, eighteen feet deep in a common grave. Well out of the way. Eh, hey, Mr. Chapman? Hmm. But what are you up to now? Farmaid wanted. Good hours, wages, outings. Live in. Apply, Chapman, Prince of Wales Tavern, Bartholomew Square. Dear Sir, I hereby beg to apply
1: for the post advertised by you in the Advertiser. Can call to suit convenience, yours truly, Bessie Taylor.
0: Bessie, my gal. I'll tell you what we'll do. We just drive round for a bit and then come back and tell them all of the pub we're itched. That's what? Itched at Southern Cathedral. That's what? Looks better, you and me being on our own in the house, see? Yes, so. I think. That's the gal. Then we left times, you and me, eh? Well.
2: Yes, too. <laughs> and here's a
0: blooming good health to the happy pair. Here, here. And may all their troubles be little and... <laughs> <laughs> little ones. Very possibly, if he feared troubles at all, they would be little ones for the landlord of the Prince of Wales's tavern. As for a new bride, it was strange, wasn't it? After a few months...
1: Why, oh, Bessie, I hardly recognize you when I come into the bar just now. You got so thin, dear. Is he good to you, dear? Oh, yes, ever so. Well, perhaps he's been indoors all the time, Betty. No, no. That suits me all right. It's just. Oh, well, I was, was a bit given to the colic. But you've got some thin, dear. No, no. I'm all right. I need. Hello? Oh, hello, George. This is an old friend of mine, Lizzie Painter.
0: Pleased to meet you.
1: Pleased to meet you, I'm sure. I was just saying... Oh, uh-huh. Well, I was just saying, Mr. Chapman, how thin
0: Bessie was looking. Well, you'd be thin with this and that, ailing you First it's her legs, then it's her teeth. And now what do you think it is? <laughs> now, Mr. Chapman, what? It's her innards. That's what the trouble is this week. A very different George Chapman from the last we met. Cruel, ill-tempered, bullying... And what does ail the wretched Bessie Taylor, who in just over a year of life with her dark-browed lover becomes so mysteriously frail? Does the worthy Dr. Stoker who attends her suspect the nature of her symptoms? I must confess myself puzzled, Mr. Chapman. You say she complains of continual thirst? That's right, Doctor. Thirsty. Always thirsty. Uh, The symptom not unusual in the gastric trouble, I suspect. But it's strange, very strange, that she hasn't responded more quickly to people. Not healthy enough. Everything worked perfectly, even to a death certificate that for sheer vagueness might have been written by Chapman himself. Death due to exhaustion from vomiting of a warm slab of homemade fruit pie. So far as Mr. Chapman was concerned, this chapter of his life was closed. with dear Bessie in the land of the departed Mr Chapman in the jolly bar of the monument tavern could stroke his handsome mustaches and feel at peace with the world and so in a month or two the great mistake Quite right, Mrs Marsh to come and see the place for yourself I'd do the same for my own daughter well, of course
1: I didn't ever want our maud to go into the licensed trade but she was set on it you know what young girls are, Mr. Chapman.
0: <laughs> we know what they are, Mrs. Marsh. But I can assure
1: you that this is a superior house, and you need have no fear for your girl. Oh, I'm not saying our maul can't look after herself. But she's only 19, Mr. Chapman, and it... Well, it don't seem right somehow her being here alone with you, and you a bachelor gentleman. But she won't be alone, Mrs.
0: Marsh. Why, there's a most respectable a couple occupies the top of the house. Oh, oh,
1: well, in that case, I suppose it's all right that she's set on it. Then, uh, then I can expect her Monday, Mrs. Marsh. Yes, yes, expect her Monday, Mr. Chapman.
0: But this was all the great mistake.
1: I don't know, Bob. I don't know, there's something about him I don't like. I don't think Maud's happy there. Why don't you run up and see her one
0: evening? Well, funny you should say that. I was thinking just the same thing myself. Of course, if he really wants to marry her, like what he says...
1: Uh, Doesn't more want to marry him. That's the point.
0: Well, it's not as though she'd been there more than a few weeks. I'll pop up tonight. Here, look, Lil, What about you coming along, too? All right, Bob. If you'd like me to. Be
1: surprised, for our more Davis have us just drop in casual like.
0: A great surprise. And one for Mr. Chapman, too. But what's going on here at the monument? Why the cheering, the toasting, the laughter and the confetti... It almost looks as though there had been a... Wedding. Oh, well, hello, Dad. Oh. Hello, hello Maud, what's going on? What's going on? Hey, missus, that's a fine question to ask a blushing fly. <laughs> yeah,
2: what's this, Maud?
0: What's this? It's just, just
1: what he said, Dad. Mr. Chapman, I, I mean, George and me, well, we got married this morning. Married? Well, Maud, Oh. It wasn't, you tell us. Well, it, it was sort of, sort of, cousin. We, um, we got married in a Catholic room up in Bishopsgate.
0: Where's the certificate?
1: The, the certificate? Well, I don't, I don't know, Dad. I, I think Mr. Chapman, I mean, uh, George has got it. I don't know nothing about certificates.
0: Well, where is he? Where's that Chapman? Uh, good evening, Mr. Marsh uh, and Mrs. Marsh. Yes, today your daughter Maud has done me the honour of becoming Mrs. George Chapman. Where's the certificate? Uh, Mr. Marsh. You, being a Protestant, uh, wouldn't understand such things. Uh, our Roman Catholic laws is, is different. Not very convincing. But neither of these two men is particularly polished. Maybe he thinks the simple-minded and uneducated Mr. Marsh, the Roman Catholic law is different. And as for the other, his brashness is flabbergasting.
2: <laughs>
0: so you will stop on both of you when the ass is shut and have a bite of supper with us, eh? That's it. And what's more, I'll show you what I've done. I've drawn up a will. That's right, a will. And Maud gets the lot. Now, come along, gents. It's time for the last orders, if you please. Last orders, if you please, gentlemen. I
1: don't like him, Bob. The that's flat.
0: A little. No more do I. Not as we can do anything. Ah, no, but he can and he will. Though not yet a while. It's the year 1901 when pretty little Maud Maas goes giggling to the arms wherein so many have giggled before, and in which how many have died. Who knows for certain? Not a year later, when the couple have quitted the Monument Tavern for the more pretentious crown just down the road, little Mrs. Chapman feels ill.
1: She's my girl, George Chapman, and I've a right to my say. Into hospital she ought to go.
0: All right, let her. I've no objection. But she'll soon be out again. Mark my words. And, not surprisingly, she is. Little Maud is safe in there. Safe from the hand that caresses and... feeds her. So you're back, my girl, eh? And a nice lay-up and a rest and a la dee Yes, George. Ah, Maudie, come to you, George. Come and give him a kiss. I didn't mean it, Maudie girl. <laughs> Here, let's have a look at you, Maud. Well, I declare my Maud's getting quite fat. (laughs) But not for long. Oh, dear me, no. Those who take tartar Emetic into their systems don't stay rosy and plump. They vomit and waste. Vomit and waste. Their eyes lie dark and haunted in the pasty sockets. And those who know them in normal life are shocked at the transformation.
1: Maud. Oh, Maudie, whatever's the matter, dear? Just think, Mum. Sick and thirsty. Sick and
0: thirsty. Drink. Give me a drink. Fetch me a drink. Here's your drink, my bird. The ginger beer you like. And there's brandy here, too. You see, Mrs. Marshall, I nurse her. Everything from my own ends.
1: Thanks,
0: George. <laughs> George Chapman, have you had the doctor? Of course. And he's doing all he can for my maud. And we got a nurse. Oh, dear, yes, we got a nurse. Dr. Stoker's a care for men. Yes, it's the incredibly unsuspecting Dr. Stoker again. Of course it's worrying for you, Mrs. Marsh. It's worrying for all of us. The infection your daughter is suffering from is most persistent. Most persistent. Is
1: it... Is it a food, Doctor? Something she's eaten? It was a rabbit, I bet. That rabbit we had Sunday night. Queer taste, that rabbit. Queer that the rest of you is all right, George Chapman. Well... I'm moving in here right away to see after my girl.
0: I think it would be very wise of you to do so, Mrs. Marsh. And
1: what's more, doctor, if you've no objection, I'll have our own doctor up to see our maud. I should
0: be very happy to consult with him, Mrs. Marsh. Hey, now, look, what's the idea? The doctor here is good enough, isn't he? What can one do that another can't? Doctors is just doctors, ain't they? Well, Mr. Chapman, a second opinion often helps, you know. Oh, I'm going off my head with all this. Doctors, doctors, doctors. I tell you, if there was 50 doctors, they couldn't help my maud. And none should know better than he. Well, who is it? What do you want? Good afternoon. Uh, My name is Grappel. Dr. Grappel. I've called to consult with Dr. Stoker about your wife. It is Mr. Chapman, I presume? Yes, I'm George Chapman. I suppose this is Ma Marsh's idea. I am the family physician of Mr. and Mrs. Marsh, yes. Well, you can go up if you want to, I suppose. You'll find Stoker up there with her. Not that you'll be able to do much good, I bet. Indeed. Well, let's hope for better things than that from our consultation. Puzzling for the doctors? Very. But for George Chapman, the cue for the final, the greatest mistake. The doctors leave. They speak to him vaguely of gastroenteritis. That's reassuring. People die of that, don't they? Of that and complaints such as physis and exhaustion from vomiting. The doctors leave and part. Maud is not dead yet. Perhaps, Mr. Chapman, you'd better make haste.
1: Mum. Are you there, Mum? Oh, Mum. I'm so thirsty. Could you... Could you get me something? There, Maud, love, there. I'll get you something.
0: A drink with a kick in it. That's what Maud wants. See? I brought it here. You'd like a little brandy, Maud?
1: Yes. Please, Joe. What time is it, Mum? Nearly three in the morning, ducks. There. Now drink it up. <coughs> <coughs> my dear love.
2: Oh, it breaks my heart
1: to there, there.
0: She'll be better. She'll be better. She'll be better by and by. Maud. Maud.
2: George! George! Oh, my answer, George! He's gone! Well,
0: Doctor, all we want now is the certificate, eh? Poor Maud, You'll, uh, you'll have to make out the certificate, won't you, Doctor, for me to take Rona to, uh... Well, what's the matter, Doctor? I can't, I'm afraid, Mr. Chapman. Quite see my way to granting this certificate. Why not? Uh, what's up? I'm not altogether satisfied, Mr. Chapman, as to the precise cause of death. Why, odd enough, isn't it? You think so? Exhaustion, Doctor, caused by inflammation of the bowels. And what caused the inflammation, do you think? Why, surely, continual vomiting. And what do you think caused the vomiting? Quite right, sir. We don't know. Oh, uh, Mr. Chapman, it's my intention, for my own professional satisfaction, of course, to conduct the post-mortem. Oh, well, you're very welcome, I'm sure. Two two one, New Kent Road, Southeast. Relent death, Maud Marsh. Strongly suspect cause arsenical poisoning. Urge post mortem search. Grapelle. And the wheels begin to turn faster, faster, faster. Well, Grapelle, you've made your analysis. I have, sir. Yes. This is certainly a case for the coroner and probably the police as well. Arsenic? Yes. Arsenic. Arsenic? Yes, it could have. And yet, I wonder. And that same day, Detective Inspector Godley of the Metropolitan Police had one call to make. Hello? Are you Mr. Chapman? Yes. I wish to speak to you quietly. Oh, you do, do you? Well, you better come inside. uh... Come here, in the parlour. Well, what is it? It's this, Mr. Chapman. My picture of the district. Maud Marsh, who has been living with you as your wife, has been poisoned by arsenic. And from the surrounding circumstances, I must ask you to accompany me to the police station while I make inquiries. I know nothing about it. Uh, I don't know how she got the poison. And that, strange to tell, was true enough. For a moment, perhaps before he was charged that evening with the murder of Maud Marsh heart of this dastardly villain may have flickered with hope, for it was not arsenic that killed Maud Marsh. At least more detailed examination of her remains and those of the wretched Mrs. Spink and of Bessie Taylor proved the bodies of these three women were full of tartar emetic, or antimony, a rarely used drug even among the medical profession, tasteless, colorless, odorless, and deadly. As for George Chapman, never perhaps has a murder trial in London's grim old daily had so a conclusion. And exactly ten minutes after retiring... We find the prisoner guilty. The bumptious, cruel, and almost incredibly stupid-seeming man had no defense, absolutely no defense at all. But was he Jack the Ripper? Shortly after his arrest of Chapman, Inspector Gotti ran into an old friend and colleague in the person of Chief Inspector Avelyn who had headed the Ripper investigations back in the late 80s. Uh, the Ripper. That's who. Listen. I've been studying this man's record, and I'm convinced... Yes, but why? Oh, listen, listen. In 1888, your man arrives in Whitechapel, and the ripper starts. Your man has the and we know about the rippers. The ripper was once seen and described the description is Chapman's to the life. The wrote postcards to the police, did he not? He did. Full of the cheap American slangisms that your man occasionally used. And what's more, I don't have to remind you that when Chapman went to America... Rippin stopped here and started up there. And then stopped over there when he. That's interesting, Chief Inspector, and ingenious. But we still can't prove it. Unfortunately not. Nevertheless, I'm convinced. Well, it's plausible, isn't it? And possible, too. But we shall never know. What we do know, of course, and I think you'll agree, is quite enough. If ever a scoundrel deserved his fate, and more than that, it was Severin Tasovsky, alias George Shaffer. Publican, poisoner,
2: litigant.